Hi, it's Paul. Hi, it's Damo. And it's time for the PD Sports Podcast. With Damo and Paul. everyone and welcome to episode four of the pd sports podcast i'm paul i've got damo oh. with me dame do you want to say hello, hello everybody everyone? welcome back to another podcast glad to be here beautiful so we are ready to go once again we are pumping out the podcast at the moment i do have a lot of time at the moment to try and record and there's just so much happening in the world of sport we thought might as well get another podcast up for all you lovely people so once again thank you to everybody for all their support as I said in the last podcast, we are live on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at the PD Sports Podcast on both platforms. And also thank you to everybody who has sent in some questions from the last podcast, which we will address at the end of today's podcast. Dame, I'm going to hand straight over to you to introduce our topic for today's podcast. Well, since it is such a big week in football, we are going to stick with the football theme. It is Carabao, Carabao, I'm going to say Carabao. To me, it's still the Carling Cup. It's the final. We have a new manager in Ryan Mason, who's going to be in charge of his first ever game in charge of Spurs. And not just his first ever game, he's going to be thrown straight into a cup final. We obviously have City that have won it so many times before. And I think it's just a really good point to just have a chat and just explain where Spurs Football Club is at the moment. Um, it's also there's a few interesting things going on for the game as well in terms of fans and all that sort of stuff. So I just feel like it's a good time to come in. Let's have a chat about Spurs and City and maybe have a chat about the rest of the fixtures as well for the Premier League coming up this week. And I feel like that moving forward, we'll always do it like that as well. Yeah, it's just... It- just shows that football never stops, eh? Like, we've just had such breaking news from Sunday night. Yeah. Within seven days, we're talking about potential Champions League qualification. We're talking about sackings of managers. Like, we didn't even cover the Mourinho no, sacking at all. The Mourinho with sacking detail. At all. Um, I think we decided to leave that because we didn't know what direction Spurs were going in at the time. And they've, you know, they've shown pretty quickly. And obviously having Ryan Mason around made it very, very interesting because for those of you... I would just like to apologise to everybody. My sister's walked through the door and just started singing throughout the whole time we've just been talking for the last minute and a bit. And she's not closed the right, I'm sure we're right. So what I'm thinking about starting off with first is what is Ryan Mason's background? Obviously, it's it would be very hard to bring a manager into a new club with a cup final. So obviously Spurs have had to look within the club the other issue with that is when they got rid of Mourinho, they've also gotten rid of his backroom staff. So I think we need to probably start with Ryan Mason. On I've Ryan got Mason some stuff Damo. about him as well before we move on because it's yeah, a very good it. story. And I, I really hope he does well. Um, you know, four years ago, yeah. he, uh, he nearly lost his life after fracturing his skull against Chelsea in a head clash. Uh, for two months, he couldn't even talk, let alone play. Um, he tried to return to football, but uh, they reckon he would have de- developed a memory loss and sp- you know blurred speech and epilepsy around 30. So he retired at 26, which takes a lot of balls to retire from your professional career, I feel, as a manager or a player. Um, he then started working yeah. as a youth coach at Spurs and spent time as an assistant under Mourinho, not his assistant, but spent time as one of the coaches on the bench. This year before, obviously, Mourinho and his whole backroom staff got sacked and Spurs turned to him and is now going to make him the youngest manager in Premier League history when he does manage the first time in the Premier League next year. I believe he's also the youngest manager in the Cabaret Cup history. And I would love to know, but I reckon I'm going to go out on a limb here. I reckon he is the first manager in history to come in and manage his first game in a cup final. 
Yeah, I think that'd be a pretty. Safe I think bet. so too. I think, too I think at, I think at a dollar, a dollar and ten cents, someone's going to find out that I've put like hundred k on that <laughs> and prove me wrong. But yeah, there you go. Um, and yeah, he uh, is five years younger than Hugo Lloris. Surprisingly enough, um, he's also two years younger than Bale. Um, and you've just got to remember, he joined the club Spurs at seven. So this is boyhood club. What what a time it would be for him to just be thrusted into this job in the week of a final. I really hope he does well. I really hope for this whole narrative that he. Uh, that he goes and wins it. I just don't know if he will. But um, what do you think? Yeah, he'd be a cult hero, oh, he wouldn't would. he? He'd I think he already is a cult hero. Steps in. But what do you think, Paul? Do you it, think he's capable as a manager to be thrown into this and be expected to look, win? It's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to judge. Um, for the sake of one game, I feel that Spurs got a jackknifed too quickly on the knowledge that Mourinho's probably said, "I'm not coaching." I'm only speculating here, but I assume Mourinho must have said something to them about the Super League. Um, it just seems strange that a manager can get you to a cup final and have no league game between that point and then in that game and then lose his job. So I feel like if this doesn't work, the Spurs board are going to be put under a lot of scrutiny. If Mourinho plays that game and loses, then there's absolutely no reason why he probably keeps his job. If Mourinho wins the game, he probably has reason to stay. So I feel like there's a lot of things that have gone on with regards to Ryan Mason's appointment that we don't know and we probably will never know. Uh, But look, all we can talk about now is he's got the job. No one really other than Spurs can, can say what his credentials are because I don't think too many people follow youth team football. So I think... It's got the potential to be a real fairy tale story, and maybe that's where Spurs are trying to go in that direction. Maybe if he does well between now and the end of the season, he takes that job long term because he knows the values of that club. He respects the club. He doesn't think he's too big for the club. Maybe it's a good fit. I think it might be tough because he's probably been very close with that playing group for a very long time. Is he going to struggle to break away from that mate mentality? and be able to lead guys like Lloris who have been there, done it with their national team, are they going to look down on Ryan because of his experience? So that's my big concern at the moment. Where do you sit with him being the Spurs look, boss? Look, I think that firstly, it shocked me that Mourinho got sacked. Uh, that obviously was live on the podcast, what, three, I think, Paul, that Mourinho got sacked right at the end of the podcast, uh, two. two. There we go. Um, I also think that I echo the statement that he should have been given this game, Mourinho. I actually think Spurs have gone and hired Mason with the intention of seeing how he goes for the rest of the season. It's the kind of Spurs way at the moment to be hiring mediocrity or um, you know this mid-tier of coach and hoping they turn into Poch. They obviously struck gold with Poch and found that there was a world-class manager there um, because I think they know they're going to struggle to get a world-class manager at Spurs, especially if they're not playing Champions League football. I feel like what it does, yeah. it gives a guy that knows the club so well a chance to prove himself. And if he does, Spurs get to, uh, you know, it, you know, employ a manager that will, uh, you know, take the values of the club serious, but also allows him to, you know, put in a manager with no pressure and hopefully it turns out to be another Pochettino dream where you've un- unearthed a world-class manager. Do I think Ryan Mason's that guy with a limited coaching experience? No. I think they've got to find a new coach after this, but I wish them all the best. The story is unreal. I'm all for a good story in football, and especially after all the you know, stuff with the ESL, I would love for Ryan Mason to go out there and beat City on, well, Sunday morning our time. So, yeah. Yeah. 
I think the other factor is maybe they're looking at it a bit of the Ryan Giggs effect at Man United as well. So I remember when he went in, he had a decent sort of positive turnaround, but there was never the long-term option. I don't... Yeah, I think it's one of those ones where in football you can't... Yeah, for a club that size, it's be very, very tough uh, to justify why he should have that, that role. I'm not saying that he can't do it, but I think there's going to come a point where the expectation probably gets too much for a, a person of you know, no managerial experience at a senior level. So I think the other factor that's probably going to help him uh, is the limited crowd size. So they've announced there's going to be 8,000 fans uh, at the game, which for football in Europe is massive, but it still at least gives him the opportunity to manage not in front of a full capacity at Wembley. I think if you threw him into 100,000 fans at Wembley and it doesn't go well, I don't know how anyone would recover from that. So... I think that's a positive for Spurs. I don't think it actually impacts Man City at all. I've just got a little stat. So I think most people know this, but City have won four of the last five Carabao just Cup speaks finals. speaks about so, their depth, doesn't it? Because it's a competition... Yeah, that, and it's never with their main No, team. I was about to say, it's a competition they don't take seriously yet. They go wipe the floor of it every year because they're just so good. Like Their bench could probably win a Premier League by itself. Yeah, so that's what I'm sort of thinking... This has the potential to, you know, at least give Mason that opportunity to say, well, it's not my team. I got thrown in with a week. We're playing Man City. So if it doesn't go well, there's enough reasons to say why potentially it doesn't go well. It's not like Spurs are expected to win. I think long term, yeah, it's going to be hard for Spurs to keep him long term, I think. But for this game, I think we can sort of speak about some of the other issues that he's going to have to deal with. And it's come out that Harry Kane is more than likely not going to play. So you're throwing a new manager in without his captain. Oh, is Lloris captain or is Harry Kane captain? I think Lloris yes. is. Be throwing um, Ryan Mason into this without his you know, talisman up front. Where the goals come from, Damo, how are Spurs going to you know, try and find a way uh, through? Firstly, you pray that City don't score. And if they do score, you pray <laughs> they don't score a second, and they will. Um, but... I think if you're Spurs and you've got to approach this, I'd be very interested to see how he lines up. I'd be very interested to see what system he plays because we have no history on Ryan Mason. So who knows? Spurs could come out and play a 4-4-2. And I think if you're actually going to manage against City, I would rather play a deep bank of four, another bank of four, and you're two up top and use your pressing traps. I just don't know if Ryan Mason will do that. Um, do they line up with a 4-2-3-1? Do they line up with a 4-3-3 and a 6? Uh, I don't know. Uh, if Spurs have to approach it in the way that they have to weather the first 20 minutes without conceding, turn into a bit of a dogfight, yeah. and then from there try and impart some decent football, I just don't see how they score other than set pieces or maybe there might be a moment or two where they could break him down. I just I, I wouldn't put a name to who scores for Spurs. It would just It's going to be a moment of brilliance or a dead ball more than I think them breaking down City, where City could break them down with anybody. So... That just speaks volumes about how good Manchester City are as well, I think. Yeah, I'm just reading now. Uh, he's, Ryan Mason has come out and said that he's hopeful that Kane will be fit. So it sounds like at this stage, that was published today, it sounds like he's banking on having Harry Kane. So Do you, do you risk knows? Harry Kane he's to... if he's not fully fit? I think you do, because what else are exactly. they playing for? I'll move you there. I think this is the first time, other than the Champions League, so the last time Spurs are in this final was in 2015, 
They lost to Chelsea 2-0. I don't think they were... Or they've been in an FA Cup final. I can't remember Spurs being in an FA Cup final. And obviously the Champions League final. So you're talking about 2015 and 2018. So it has been quite some time for Spurs since they've been in a final. The last time prior to 2015 they've been in a final was 2009. And they lost on penalties to Manchester United. Where the year before they'd beaten Chelsea 2-1 after extra time. So this game's huge. Spurs need it. Spurs need a trophy. So we're talking, what, 2008 since their last major trophy. Is there a, Time, yeah. you got to throw everything Is there a it. world where City doesn't win this game? Um, yes, because football's football. That is true. Spurs could do what we did to them in the Champions League final, score in the first 30 seconds and then make it very hard for the opposition to, to score. But look, I don't think... I think if Spurs are going to win this game, they're going to have to score at least two. There's no way they keep a clean sheet. So, I don't, I don't really rate their defense. Look, I, I watch. I don't uh, really have anyone there that a football, football wasn't played on paper. I do think City will score, but I did watch a game in the Copa America today where the strongest had eighteen shots off target against Boca Juniors and lost one 0 this morning. So, a random stat, but that cost me my multi this morning. So I'm still a bit salty, but um. You, you never know, and that's the beauty about football. It's a final. Yeah, it's a final. You can't write off any team. I'm not saying I'm predicting Spurs, by the way, here, but I just if Spurs came out with a clear game plan, executed the game plan, and it works effectively against City, that's why if you're Ryan Mason, you don't really have or haven't implemented a game plan. I think you've got to go and look at teams that historically have done well against City. For me, that's Crystal Palace. Yeah. Uh, Palace has probably got, yeah. even though it's Palace, have got the best record, I think, against City in a in the league in a little bit, um, apart from like one of the big six clubs. And I think with Spurs at the moment, you can't classify them in that bracket only because they're under a new coach. Um, yeah. If you're looking to put in a performance, you've got to go and line up in that two banks of four that Palace always used to sit really deep, frustrate, get a goal. Um, sort of like Leeds did with 10 men. I know it's 10 men, but they did the same thing, absorb a lot of pressure. I feel like if Spurs went out with that mentality, looked to absorb, looked to hit on the break with the speed that they do have, they could do a job. Do I think they're capable yeah. of doing a job? Yeah. Do I think that they will do a job? Personally, no. But I would love to see them score the first one. If they score the first one, we're going to at least get to enjoy City coming back like they did against Aston Villa this morning. Um, they did hold on against Villa, didn't they? Um, uh, yeah. City? Yeah, because yeah, they'll they 1-0 down early. They'll 1-0 down inside three minutes. Oh, yeah, they were. They did make it 1-0. Yeah. Bernardo Silva scored in the 20th minute. Yeah, I think they were 2-1 well. up when I last checked this morning. Then I went to work, so... Uh, I'll double yeah, check now while but, um, you know, you, yeah, yeah, one, two, one. you get to see that City you know, I feel like City score the first it's just going to be a typical beautiful City performance because everyone loves watching City in their full tilt but you don't get that game of football where I think if Spurs can somehow find the first goal be really dogged a little bit desperate at the back uh, you know Loris has a good game in goals uh, you, you never know and football's not played on paper and that's what makes it beautiful yeah so I'm just looking at the team that played for Spurs the other night against Everton. So Mourinho went with a 5-3-2. Yep. So they went out of Vireld, Roden, Dyer as the three centre-backs with Aurier and Regulion as your two full-backs with Suzuko, Hoiberg, Son and Kane with Lamella, Deli Alli and Lucas Moura coming on. So how do you think... What do you think Spurs need to do or how do they need to line up in order to try and get a win. So I'll list off who else was on the bench just so you know he was fit as well. So there's Davidson Sanchez, Harry Winks, Gareth Bale, Lo Celso and Tamgunga. Uh, 
So that's a strong bench. a pretty bench. strong bench. Um, so obviously you're going Loris and goals, I believe. Uh, you with me there? What, what formation are you going uh, first? I, look, if I was to manage Spurs for this game right now, I'm going 4-4-2 only because I know it works against City. Um, if Ryan yeah. Mason has a philosophy and wants to implement it from day one, a lot of modern day managers will probably play a 4-2-3-1 slash 4-3-3 variant or a 3-5-2-5-3-2 system. Um, yeah. I just think if you're going to do that against City, come out City, City beat you. Yeah, exactly. Up. Same way if you come out and try and play high line and press Liverpool, Liverpool just pop it over the top of you and Liverpool score. So I feel like yeah. if you go in and try and win the game of football and I put my managerial hat on, and if Ryan Mason wants to prove himself as a capable coach, you set up in a very dogged 4-4-2 personally. Set your pressing traps out wide on either fullback and just go to work. Um, in that case then, where would you line up, Paul? Oh, mate, like knowing who he's got available, so I'm thinking about it more from the attacking end. I'd actually also go with the 4-4-2, not to piggyback you. My thought about it is you probably set up something along the lines of this. So you've got Larice. I reckon you go Aurier right back. You go out of viral Davidson Sanchez and Regulion as your back Yeah, four. I'm with you exactly. I think you go Hoiberg, Suzuko. And then I think you go, actually, I'll take that back. I reckon you go Winks and Hoiberg in the middle. I think Suzuko plays on one wing just to give you that work rate and just that effort. I think you play Lucas Moura on the left. And you're going Son and Kane up top. And then I think, you, I go, well, Kane, I'm, I'm thinking Kane's out. I'm going Son and Bale up front. Not a bad shout. I think if Kane's half available, Kane starts just to give him impact. But he could also impact off the bench. I think he needs to. This this could be the start of Gareth Bale's season. The Mourinho second. It could be as well. Um, I actually really rate what you went with. I would have gone... See, I would prefer to have Son on the left because he can break lines and he's got a good work rate. Um, I love Sissoko. I think about how you want him to yeah, play. Yeah, I, I, I love that you put Sissoko on the right because Sissoko was already in my book on the right-hand side for that exact reason because he's a bit more dogged out there and he can do a defensive job. Yeah. Um, Harry Winks and Holgerberg, I have the same middle of the park. I think that gives you such good work rate. Two guys that can play ball as well. Um, yeah. Lucille could also fit in in that role too. And yeah. I was yeah, thinking about him, maybe on the left yeah, as well. Yeah, he could also play on the left. I feel like you do need wingers that are fairly quick. Sissoko's not rapid, but he's not slow. Um, it just depends. If you want to play Bale, I could even play Bale on the left-hand side because he can get up and down. Um, you could also play Bale, yeah, you could also play Bale on the right-hand side and get him cutting inside as well. But I think you probably play Bale on the left. And if you're going to do that, I think you're going Son and Kane up top. Son and Lucas up top if you want to have Carry Kane on the bench. Feel like you definitely need a runner and a guy that can probably pay as a bit more of a pivotal man up top. Uh, it depends if you if Ryan Mason was to set up very dogged and very rigid, and then obviously press the left back and right back of City, um, and sit up really deep. When I mean deep, I mean that front two when City have the ball sit on halfway and just say if you want to keep the ball between your centre backs for ninety minutes, go ahead. We don't care if we have eighty percent. You have eighty percent of the ball. You just won't score. Yeah. And I would yeah. love to see that. I think that's the way As a neutral, neutral's probably sitting there going, but really, that's boring. For me as a coach, I love that. I think that's excellent. And I hope they do it. And that's why I think Mourinho should have stayed in charge because I think Mourinho would have done that. Yeah, and I think if Spurs are arrogant enough to go, let's play 4-2-3-1, let's go Sun up front, Deli Alley in the 10, you yeah. know, I think they just get, they just get stretched, they get picked apart, City win at 4-1. Would you play a 4-4-1-1 so then, Paul? 
And, uh, yeah, and then, I mean, it's just, it's and then Ali, Owen, Kane slash Son up top. And if Kane does start, you put Son on the left and you could probably put Lucas Moore on the right. But if you're doing that, it's more of a 4 2 3 one like, I, feel, I feel like if they're going to line up to be dogged, Sissoko has to play as a winger. He doesn't play through the middle. I don't think Ali can start. I don't think so either. He hasn't played enough. And you can't have Ali and Bale in the same starting yeah. eleven, so you've got to pick one of those I two. Feel I, think. So too. I feel like the team that we went with initially, which is what, Regulian, Toby back there, uh, Sanchez, Aurier, Loris obviously in goals, Holderburn, Winks, Sissoko, Lucas, Son and Kane. I feel like that's the team that should line up if they're looking yeah. for a performance. And if there's no Kane. And if there's no Kane. If there's no Kane, then Bale. Bale goes up top and you just use Son and Bale. Yeah. Or you can put Lucas yeah, up I top too and put Bale on the left to, it's interchangeable. That's the one thing I must say with Spurs going forward. They've got flexibility. Got remember, so even in the game, they can be first adaptive. First half of the year, fantasy EPL, I just remember you always had Son and Kane because they just they scored a heap. It's not like Spurs don't know how to score. They've just been so horrid of late that you just don't rate them. Under a new manager, I feel like this is going to be super tough. We're talking about a team that was top but going into Christmas. Yeah. Like this, this isn't that long ago. We're yeah, the wheels, the wheels are just falling off. Four months ago, we beat Spurs at home late in a game that was meant to define the season and both of us are now sitting outside the top four. So things do change quickly. Let's have a quick look at Man City. I've got their team up. That played this morning. So Stone's got a red card, so I'm not sure whether that, that crosses think over. that carries only for Premier League, but don't quote me on that. Okay, the other interesting thing is Gundogan was wearing the armband, which I find interesting but the team that lined up for City had Edison Walker Stones Ruben Diaz and Zinchenko then I'm going to say it was a midfield three of Bernardo Silva Rodri Gundogan with Jesus Amares and Foden as a front three and Foden did score sorry not Bernardo Silva but Bernardo got both assists so that's obviously a 4-3-3 Foden on probably the left and left. Silva on the right I don't really know actually Ooh. No, I think Bernardo would have played through them. Oh, no, sorry. Bernardo would have... Oh, I don't even know how... Because it's all left-footers. You've got Bernardo Silva, Foden and Riyad Mahrez who all tend to play on the right-hand side. So, interesting setup. Unless Mahrez might have played through the middle and Jesus off the left. But Jesus came off in the 45th minute for Laporte. So, they must have changed system um, at some point. So, there wasn't really a identified striker. And then the only other substitution was Mahrez off in the 90th for Fernandinho. So maybe Foden or Mahrez played Who was on the, the bench for City this um, morning that got rested for this cup final, you reckon? I think Fernandinho, Sterling, obviously. Mendy as well. Sterling. Sterling. Mendy and Cancelo. Yeah, I think all of them start. I think they all come into the yeah. team. Sterling. I don't know. Or Cancelo, for me, probably... I think City play 4-3-3. I'll just throw my team out there. I haven't actually thought about the it too much. The will play, obviously, as Edison, well. Yeah, I think it's Edison, Walker, Stones, Laporte, and Cancelo as his left back. He might play inverted. Um, or it's Ben Mendy. They're your two options. I think Rodri's at the base of the midfield with Bernardo Silva and Gundogan as the other two centre mids. And then I think it's probably Jesus through the middle, Mares off the right, Sterling off the left. I'm going to go through... Uh, nah. It's his, he played 90 minutes. I think, yeah. I'm going to go with that. Mara, Sterling, Jesus. I think Mendy over Cancelo personally. It wouldn't surprise me Cancelo starts on the right and they rest Walker. But oh, yeah. I don't know if they will. I think the back two pick themselves. And look, geez, that City lineup is so crazily good. Uh, I, I feel like if you feel Foden, 
you're a little bit harsh on Michelle on a cup final, but you got to remember if this was an FA Cup final or Champions League Cup final, or Champions League final, I think Phil Foden would have started in this game because it's a cabaret. Ahead of who? <sighs> That's a tough call. Look at the look at how good that is. Uh, Mara's Mar out, Silver to the right-hand side, coming in off the left, Bernardo, that is. And then, obviously, Phil Foden goes into the middle with Gundigan. In the yeah. middle. Picking the lock. Uh, I don't mind that. Bernardo played 90 minutes, but I got two assists today. Foden played 90 minutes and scored, yeah. so you're pulling, pulling, picking hairs there at that yeah. point. But what about score prediction? What do you think? Jeez. Um, it depends, really, on how Spurs line up. I figure Spurs line up dog good, like we said, and don't concede early. Expect like a 2 1, 2 0 sort of performance from City. I just figure City score early. Don't be surprised it's 4 or 5. It's 4 1, 4 0. I'm going to go and stick my neck out. This is going to be a 4 1 City throbbing. Yeah, I'm going to say 3 1. I think they probably, if, if City score early, they just take the foot off the pedal, control the game, force Spurs to, you know, follow them around a bit and go from there. So I think. I'd love Spurs to get the result, but I don't think it happens. So we'll move on, I think. Let us know what you guys think is going to happen in the Carabao Cup final. Both of us think City are going to win it quite comfortably. So we are going to move into a bit of a preview for the rest of the weekend's action. So what I might do is I might jump ahead, yes. Dane. Us versus Newcastle. Yes, let's go to it. What are your thoughts? We're playing at home. What I do you think, think Newcastle have been pretty poor. We win that game as long as we score early for once this season. Um, if that game gets in a halftime at New and you'll just be prepared, Paul, for another one of these tricky little games that peter out into a draw. I, I, surely we finally score early and just put a game to bed and Newcastle have been pretty poor. But I'm never yeah. 100% confident with the way the season's gone as well. Yeah, especially being at home. <laughs> I think it makes it worse. Which is a uh, we saw what happened say. with Villa. Yeah, and I don't know if the banners are back in the stadium. Uh, we'll see, I guess, uh, when we play. But look, I'm going to put my um, bias hat on. I think it's going to be a very similar game to the Aston Villa game where we dominate, dominate, dominate. And we score a late one to take the three points. So I think, yeah, it's tough. But I think Newcastle... Coming off the result they had against West Ham, the result looks better than the performance. They nah, weren't they were great. Home. They got gifted a couple goals. So I think we've got enough quality to pick Newcastle apart. So I'm going to say we beat them 2-1. Um, don't tell me who's going to score because I can't pick it at this I'm point. I'm going to go... What's a, what's a I'm score prediction? I'm going to go really brave here, Paul. Go for it. I'm going to say we're going to score one really early and we're going to win 4-0. Yeah, I reckon I we're going to score one really early. We're going to be up for it. The boys, after this ESL, come together. They've shown they didn't want to be in it. It's a little bit of a blessing in disguise, I think, for us to push us on. And I think we're going to score yeah. one early, finally, for this time of season. And we're going to run away with it because Newcastle are going to come out and be horrid trying to get a goal and we're going to score four. Yeah, I don't see them scoring by playing good football. I see them scoring by pouncing on a mistake. Or so. something like that. I just think we'll, yeah, so, we'll be okay. Who starts? Uh, for us, it'd be Allison, Trent, Quebec, Phillips, yes. Robertson, yes. probably. Same back five. I'm trying to think who's actually fit. Fabinho plays with Thiago yep. and Hen is Henderson I don't back? I think so. Um, could be Milner, could be Genie. The Ox, could be all of them. 
It's the front. It's the front. Front starts. three. That's the one. Front three. I think he needs to have Jota. Someone needs to be get. I, I don't think. I think it's going to be Jota, Mane, and Salah. Personally, I just who through the middle then? Oh, in the middle of the park. No, no. Who starts through the middle of the front uh, three? Jota does, and Salah and Mane in their usual spots, but they'll be interchangeable throughout the game. You watch them just drifting in and out. Yeah, I rate that. So then from that game, we'll move across. We'll go to score predictions yep. here until the last one, which I'll talk a little bit more about. So Leicester-West Brom, uh, pretty I, easy win I for Leicester. I think so. It all depends if West Brom can come out and be dogged, which obviously they have proven they can be at times. Uh, it also depends yeah. if Leicester put them to bed early. I think the longer that stays at New England, the more West Brom get into it. And if West Brom get into the game, they can play some decent football. I'm going to predict 2-1 Leicester, but not a very convincing win from Leicester. West Brom very dogged. Maybe Leicester winning it late. Yeah, I think Leicester have something to prove, though, with the ESL collapsing. They're playing for a spot in the Champions League, so I think they just, you know, they need to show why they deserve to be in and around the mark for the Champions League. So we'll move another big game here, Arsenal-Everton. So two sides that are upper middle table. What do you think? Well, my first question to you, does Matt Ryan start or Leno start? Um, probably Leno because they haven't played for a while um, and they've also got the Europa League midweek so I don't think they rest Leno for two games what did you think row. of Matt Ryan's performance last week didn't have to do yeah, much yeah I didn't think so either to be fair um, it wasn't it wasn't that he played there's amazing, a rumour that Arsenal are thinking about making the move permanent which is a good thing for Matty Ryan obviously I actually think he starts against Everton and Leno plays in the Europa League personally uh, I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if it's the other way around. Apparently, Matt Ryan in training has been absolutely unreal. And if you go to Arsenal TV on YouTube, he's actually been, his training sessions look really good. So I think Arteta's really big on training performance. And I reckon Matt Ryan yeah. will keep his spot, especially after winning a flick on to you know, get the equaliser. Like, can he really bench a keeper after that? Um, I actually will, though, tip... Uh, I, I don't know this game. I, I really want to tip Everton. I just can't do it. Being a Liverpool fan, I'm going to tip a draw. I reckon you're going to see a one yeah. or two all draw there. Yeah, I was going to go two all. I think there's. I think so game. too. Dep- depends who starts for Arsenal, how strong Arteta goes. They've got a five, uh, was it a six day turnaround between this game because this game for us is uh, Saturday morning early, yes. so it's Friday night over there. Then they're playing Villarreal on the Thursday, so they've got probably enough time to play the full this, team this will probably be another podcast pool where we get to the Champions League Europa League like previews in the, like a week's time yeah. but this yeah, next week I will put the question out to you in this podcast because we are talking about Arsenal can Arsenal win the Europa League I think they definitely can there's no reason to say why they can't beat Villarreal who are mid-table and then if they get Manchester United in the it's final not, it's 90 again, minutes who, can, who knows what happens well, Arteta versus Solskjaer. Arteta's won three out of four. So, and the other game was a draw. So, there's definitely Arsenal are in in the driver's seat. I'd say at this point, as long as they play well games with the Real, I think they're in the driver's seat. I don't know. I haven't looked at Roma too much. I'll probably look at them during the week. Yeah, when we get ready for but, that podcast, that's the next podcast. Well, I yeah. wouldn't say it's the next podcast, guys, but definitely get looking forward to a Champions League Europa League preview for the semi-finals. Yeah, so that'll be out before. No, they'll be next yeah. week's podcast because the games start on Wednesday. So 
that will be the next podcast most likely. So let's move on. We've got a couple of games to go. We've got West Ham, Chelsea. It's probably the game we're looking forward to the most out of the Premier League I games. Think it's, Big London derby. I think it's that game there, the Leeds of Man United game, that it should probably game the rounds. Uh, West Ham, Chelsea is yeah. massive. If West Ham want to finish in the four with this being at West Ham, they win and they have to win. I think it's a must win yeah. for West Ham, personally. But yeah, I think, it, I think if Chelsea didn't win, they could still maybe, you know... But I think if West Ham want to make the four, they have to win this game of football. And you know what, Paul? This is just two teams in four. You want to know well. what, Paul? I, I tip West Ham as well. That's that bold. Is very bold. I actually rate Chelsea currently under Tuchel, if I pronounce that right. I just yeah. think West Ham are on this massive high. Lingard Dimio has been unreal. Uh, got, you got to love to see the guy. He's an absolute meme, but you got to love to see him playing well, don't you? Um, but I actually think, I think West. The, I think the big thing as yeah. well is they need a reaction from last I week. Think so obviously going be, 10 men didn't I think help. there will be too. Yeah. I think this, there's such good unity around that football club. They can go out there. London Derby, they haven't been in this situation for a long time. I expect to see West Ham step up. And I don't know. I reckon Chelsea, after all this ESL stuff, has taken a lot out of them. I, it's one or two things will happen to Chelsea. They'll do what I predicted that we would do to Newcastle go out there and be absolutely amazing. Or. They'll falter under the pressure. I think where we got Newcastle, it's a lot easier for us to step up a gear and go and put a team to bed. They try to step up against West Ham and they didn't score early or didn't score in the first 20 minutes. West Ham have the ability to win that game of football. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think Chelsea need to keep their momentum going, though. They've got big tie against Real Madrid. My other question is who plays for Chelsea as well? That's a big factor. Uh, do they go full strength here against West Ham? Because they are really playing against a direct rival for a spot in the Champions League. So I think that's going to be the big narrative of that game. I'm going to back Chelsea in for a 2-1 win. I think West Ham, your last statement about them, saying they hadn't been in this position for a very, very long time, I think that's going to be to their demise. I think the players are probably going to struggle with that additional pressure to try and get the job done. I hope they prove me wrong because me? I'd love to see... Yeah, I'd love to see someone new in, but at the expense of us, potentially, I'd like to see West Ham start to stumble. And we we did look at the table a couple podcasts ago, and it is so tight. There's only like a couple points in it. So big, big, big results. We'll move on. We've got one more game that we'll brush over, then we'll have a bit more depth about the last one. So Wolves-Burnley, what are you expecting from so that game? So Wolves-Burnley, um, look, it's going to be one of those games that people well people will care about it because there's fans about them but uh, for us doesn't it doesn't really mean yeah, much does it, it to the neutral I expect Wolves to win but Burnley will be dogged uh, it'll be one of those games that wouldn't surprise me if it kicks off a little in terms of the score it also wouldn't be surprising if it's the game that finishes new and new and nothing happens so uh, I'm going to predict the draw uh, either a new and new or like a 2-2 uh, it'll be one or the other there would be no in between either side can win on the day depends who's more horrid than the next but yeah. It's a game that doesn't really mean too much to any of us. Yeah, I'm going to split the difference there with my prediction. I think it's going to be a one-all game. I'll see, you know, whether it's um, old mate uh, Fabio Silva maybe popping up again with another goal or whether Chris Wood is scoring for Burnley. I don't think this is going to be a game that we're going to cover with too much no. detail on the way out of this weekend. So that leaves us with one game left of the weekend, which is Leeds and Man United. Last time these two played, it was... Uh, very, very interesting. I think it was either 5-1 or 5-2 to me. Yeah, it was a very open so. game. And to be fair to Leeds, I didn't think they played particularly bad that day as well. 
And they copped it. It's got punished. Yeah. In, yeah. So what do you think Bielsa does? Because we've seen him in games go in his shell a little bit more recently. I felt against us, they couldn't go in their shell because we obviously went 1-0 up. I thought we were a bit, not unlucky, but second half we were quite poor. We didn't really create much and eventually the, the pressure built. They, and they, Lorente scored a very nice yep. header for Leeds, but I didn't think they, I don't know, I think a draw was a fair result on reflection of our game because we sort of just shut off a bit. So what do you think Bielsa does? Do you think he starts a bit more reserved like he did against us and sees what Man United turns up or do you think he goes after him again? I think, he, knowing I what think happened last time? we see the return of Bielsa Bull, personally. I think, I think he's going to go there. It's at home. It's at Ellen Road. You're coming to us. Let's go play football. Let's see who's better than who. And to be fair, I think if Leeds play as well as they can do on the day, they will 100% give him a game. Do I think they can win? Yes. Do I think they will win? Uh, it's, yeah, it's a tough, a tough one, tough that one. one. I, I, I want to back him. I'm going to back a draw, but I want to back him. It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me, man. You know, I'd rock up and win as well. You know what? Yeah. I'm getting I'm getting I off think... the fence. Leeds United to win 2-1. Ooh, I'm going to go the reverse. I'm going to say me United 3-1. But I think the first 25 minutes of this game's the crucial part. I think if Leeds come out straight away and mean not to pick them off like they did, very, very hard for Leeds to recover. So that's going to be a game that I do want I to definitely, really try definitely and watch. I definitely want to see that as well, mate. I reckon that would be a big game to watch this weekend. Now, yeah. And that is the recap of our Premier League. Premier my my League question to you, Paul, is we went Leicester over West Brom, didn't we? We, we yeah. both went like, we think it's going to be a draw, Everton and Arsenal, didn't we? And we both yeah. think Liverpool are going to win. We both think Chelsea, yeah. or I said West Ham, you said Chelsea. Uh, yeah. So does that mean we think because we both said that, that it's probably going to be a draw then? Did we talk about Sheffield Brighton? No, we didn't. We missed that. I no, Brighton right. beat Sheffield since Sheffield's already relegated. Yeah. All right, yeah. I'm going to say Brighton. <laughs> I reckon West Ham and Chelsea, we couldn't agree on. No. All right, Wolves. I'm saying Wolves Chelsea. and Burnley draw. We said, and yeah. we re- and then split for, for United. The All right, yeah. for the five games we agreed on, Paul, that would be a thirty-five dollars sports bet multi. If anybody wants oh, their good. wants their value, <laughs> that's why I asked, and that's without us putting in whatever you All want right. on top of that. Just thought that would be really interesting to have a look at because I might keep that up on my screen for a little bit later tonight. Mm. Alright, let's transition. We've got one segment left of the podcast, which is very, very quickly becoming oh, I love this segment. Section. We've got a couple questions. So a shout out to Dim from the Discord. He has given us a couple questions on short notice today. I think what we'll do today, Damo, you can have the first question and then I'll answer the second one. So Dim's first question is who out of the Toure brothers from Adelaide United? has the most potential, and do they have a shot at playing in Europe? Damo, take I'm it I'm going to be very, very, very unanimous on this. Both have the sky as the limit, and both will play in Europe. Very easy. I don't think there is a better one. I think they're just as good as each other. I think they're absolutely wonderful to watch. <sighs> I've got something else to add on top. What? There is, so my sources tell me, and I've got this validated, there is a younger brother is who is year 10 this year. Is that Croydon? He is not at Croydon anymore. He moved. He is at Adelaide oh, United. Oh, that makes sense. 
yes. NPL and scored a double at the weekend in the reserves against Croydon as a year 10. So apparently from what I'm hearing from some of my sources that he is meant to be the cream of the crop. So we have not seen the end of the Toure's in Adelaide. So I'm very, very excited to see where these boys can all land. I think Alvassan had a deal lined up in I think France, so. Pre-COVID, yeah, he I did, and obviously. I don't know if he actually signed, or maybe Muhammad. It was either one of them. One of them either signed and is on loan. I'm not 100 sure, or there might be something around. I don't happening. know. I've got to look into that. I don't that. know if he signed. I definitely know there was a deal, and I'm pretty sure it was for Alassane, not Muhammad. Um, look, I, I, for Dim, your question, Dim, I'm going to say that Muhammad has slightly more potential than Alassane. But I would say they're both going to be really good. Do I think both will play for the Socceroos? Yes. Do I think both will play in Europe? Yes. Do I think they're going to be similar to what Abraham and Bill Wenner did at LA United and actually make it in Europe? Yes. Yeah, they're talent at the moment. Oh, some of the things they're doing in the A-League is ridiculous. And hence why when we talked about the A-League last podcast quickly as a question from... I think it was from Dim as well, wasn't it? Or was it from Shadow? It actually, it was from Shadow. Um, with the top six... Shadow. Uh, question from the A League, and why I said I think Alleged and I can win the A League, so did Milky, my dog, obviously, with the barking. Um, the Toure brothers is probably one of the reasons why I think they can, and I think they have some really good uh, mentors in the uh, in the Alleged United squad that would provide very good knowledge about European football. Got Tommy Urich, you got Goodwin that have gone overseas, and I think that that's going to be yeah. massive for the Toure brothers and for the youngest one that comes through as well. Yeah, so hopefully you know, it'd be awesome if they could strike a deal at the same club, you know, the two older boys, you know, just to aid their transition, just to make it that little very, bit very easier. Good so hopefully that. hopefully that answers your first question, Dim. I'll move on to your second question. So for the listeners, Dim's second question was, can Mitch Georgiades replace what Justin Westhoff has done at Alberton? For Port Adelaide, and I think I touched on this. You did briefly you did last in the podcast, last podcast because you said he's a similar player to Justin Westhoff. Do you think he can replace Westhoff though? I said he's a similar one. I think there is someone else in the squad that suits that role a little bit better. And I did mention this name last podcast, and it's Todd Marshall. I see more of Westhoff in Marshall, just with the ability to be more of a swingman. I think Marshall's just that little bit older. He's got that better skill level than Georgiades. I think you don't want to take Georgiades away from what he's good at, which for Georgiades, it's taking big screamers and kicking goals. So I wouldn't personally take Georgiades out of the forward line. I would use uh, Todd Marshall up on a wing to try and link him into the play a bit more. So I said in the last podcast that the potential is there, but I haven't seen enough from Todd Marshall as a forward. So I think the time is actually now to push him up to a wing, especially with Dersma injured. We are lacking a little bit of depth on the outside. I don't know whether he's quick enough to do that role, but his hands and his skill is definitely good enough to make that switch out wide. So I would be hedging my bets on Todd Marshall ahead of Mitch Georgiades moving forward. I would agree with you. Not my football club. I do follow him a little bit because obviously they're Adelaide Adelaide club. And I think Marshall's hands are very good and can probably play wider more than Mitch can as well. So I I second that, Paul. Yep. So thank you to Dim for providing us with those couple questions. I think, Dame, that's where we are going to leave it. Short, sharp and snappy tonight. If you do have any questions about any sport, make sure you jump over to both our YouTube channels at Paulie29 on YouTube and 
D-A-M-M-O underscore 23 on YouTube. All our socials are there. Links to our Twitch channels are there. Links to the Discord are there and all the other good stuff. So from myself and Damo, thank you very, very much for your time and we will see you in the next podcast next week.